Let us turn now to Genesis chapter 27. I'm going to read the whole chapter. There are 40-some verses approximately in this chapter. The way the text is written is uh, bears a role in the, the message of the text. And so I'm going to read the whole thing. And uh, I want you to bear with me through all of these details because the, the details of this family and what they're going through uh, are that of which we're going to study this morning. So chapter 27, beginning to read in verse 1. Hear now the word of the Lord. Now it came to pass when Isaac was old and his eyes were so dim that he could not see that he called Esau his oldest son and said to him, My son, and he answered him, Here I am. Then he said, Behold, now I am old. I do not know the day of my death. Now therefore, please take your weapons, your quiver and your bow, and go out to the field and hunt game for me, and make me savory food such as I love, and bring it to me that I may eat, that my soul may bless you before I die. Now Rebekah was listening when Isaac spoke to Esau, his son, and Esau went to the field to hunt game to bring it. So Rebekah spoke to Jacob, her son, saying, Indeed, I heard your father speak to Esau, your brother, saying, Bring me game and make savory food for me that I may eat it and bless you in the presence of the Lord before my death. Now, therefore, my son, obey my voice according to what I command you. Go now to the flock and bring me there, uh, from there two choice king kids of the goats, and I will make savory food from them for your father, such as he loves. Then uh, you shall take it to your father that he may eat it, and that he may bless you before his death. And Jacob said to Rebekah, his mother, Look, Esau, my brother, is a hairy man, and I am a smooth-skinned man. I am a smooth-skinned man. Perhaps my father will feel me and shall seem to be, and I shall seem to be a deceiver to him, and I shall bring a curse on myself and not a blessing. But his mother said to him, Let your curse be upon me, my son. Only obey my voice, and go get them for me. And he went and got them and brought them to his mother, and his mother made savory food such as his father loved. Then Rebekah took the choice clothes of her elder son, put them on Jacob, her younger son, and she put the skins of the kids of the goats on his hands and on the smooth part of his neck. Uh, then she gave the savory food and the bread which she prepared into the hand of her son Jacob. So he went to his father and said, My father, and he said, Here I am. Who are you, my son? Jacob said to his father, I am Esau, your firstborn. I have done just as you told me. Please arise and eat of my game, that your soul may bless me. But Jacob's, or but Isaac said to his son, How is it that you have found it so quickly, my son? And he said, Because the Lord your God brought it to me. Isaac said to Jacob, Please come forth, or come, please come near, that I may feel you, my son, whether you are really my son Esau or not. So Jacob went near to Isaac his father, and he felt him and said, the voice is Jacob's voice, but the hands are the hands of Esau. And he did not recognize him because his hands were hairy like his brother Esau's hands. So he blessed him. Then he said, Are you really my son Esau? And he said, 
I am. He said, bring it near to me and I will, uh, I, I, and I will um, eat of my son's game so that my soul may bless you. So he brought it near to him and he ate and he brought him wine and he drank. Then his father Isaac said to him, come near now and kiss me, my son. And he came near and kissed him. And he smelled the smell of his clothing. And he blessed him and said, Surely the smell of my son is like the smell of a field which the Lord has blessed. Therefore, may God give you of the dew of the heaven, of the fatness of the earth, and plenty of grain and wine. Let peoples serve you, and nations bow down to you. Be master over your brethren, and let your mother's sons bow down to you. Cursed be, cursed be everyone who curses you, and blessed be those who bless you. Now it happened, as soon as Isaac had finished blessing Jacob, and Jacob had scarcely gone out from the presence of Isaac his father, that Esau his brother came in from the hunting. And he also made savory food and brought it to his father and said to his father, Let my father arise and eat of his son's game, that your soul may bless me. And his father Isaac said to him, Who are you? So he said, I'm your son, your firstborn, Esau. Then Isaac trembled exceedingly and said, Who? Where's the one who... Uh, hunted game and brought it to me. I, I ate all of it before you came, and I have blessed him, and indeed he shall be blessed. When Esau heard the words of his father, he cried with an exceedingly great and bitter cry and said to his father, Bless me also, O my father. But he said, Your brother came with deceit and has taken away your blessing. And Esau said, Is he not rightly named Jacob? For he has supplanted me these two times. He took away my birthright, and now look, he has taken away my blessing. And he said, Have you not reserved a blessing for me? And then Isaac answered and said to Esau, Indeed, I have made him your master and all his Brethren, I have given to him as servants with grain and wine. I have sustained him. What shall I now do now for you, my son? And Esau said to his father, Have you only one blessing, my father? Bless me, me also, O my father. And Esau lifted up his voice and wept. Then Isaac, his father, answered and said to him, Behold, your dwelling shall be of the fatness of the earth and of the dew of heaven from above. By your sword you shall live, and you shall serve your brothers, and it will come to pass when you become restless, that you shall break his yoke from your neck. So Esau hated Jacob because of the blessing with which his father blessed him. And Esau said in his heart, The days of mourning for my father are at hand. Then I will kill my brother Jacob. And the words of Esau, her older son, were, were told to Rebekah. So she sent and called Jacob, her younger son, and said to him, Surely your brother Esau comforts himself concerning you by intending to kill you. Now therefore, my son, obey my voice, arise, flee to my brother Laban in Haran, and stay with him a few days until your brother's injury turns away, until your brother's anger turns away from you. And he forgets what you have done to him. Then I will send and bring you from hither. From there, why should I be uh, bereaved also of you both in one day? And Rebekah said to Isaac, 
I am weary of my life because of the daughters of Heth. If Jacob takes a wife of the daughters of Heth like these, who are the daughters of the land, what good will my life be to me? May the Lord bless this reading to our uh, good understanding. Well, the, the title of the sermon today is Then Esau Trembled, verse 33. Then Esau, tre- I mean Isaac, then Isaac trembled, uh, 27, verse 33. Sometimes the, the scriptures are so dramatic in their text and in their format, and we can imagine the, these words capture the moment that old Isaac recognized that there had been a deceit that had been foist upon him. And as this, as all of these events of his family, of all of the thoughts of his own mind, his desire to bless his sons, his desire to have a, a patriarchal head of the family after he died, as all of these things came together at this moment, Isaac found himself trembling as it says, um, uh, trembling exceedingly because the plans of his mind, the determinations of his thought and life suddenly rose up before him like a great wave before him and and splashed him in the face with the reality that his determinations were not uh, going to hold sway, that even though he had done everything he could, he called Esau to uh, get ready for his blessing. He'd sent him out to fetch a meal for him. He determined everything was lined up in his mind. Emotionally, everything was aligned, and, and it was a happy coincidence before the face of Isaac that these things would take place. And yet, as he goes to execute the deed, he finds that he has been uh, deceived and uh, he presumes it's by his other son, uh, Jacob, and he he just doesn't have any idea of what to do about it. He, in a sense, has been trapped by his own logic, by his own mind, by his own words. And in that condition, uh, he trembled before the Lord, recognizing the awful uh, sovereignty of God and how God works in the midst of men who have so many foibles, so many, so much deceitfulness themselves, and yet God works through all that. Our sin, happily, our sin is not an obstacle to the workings of the Lord. And this passage brings us out through the lens of the family. Here we have um, the royal family at that time, the the most godly family in all the earth. And that's entertaining to us, and it's somewhat humbling, because here, if we think that we have unsolved uh, problems in our families, or if we have knots that have not been tied, or things that have been left undone, if we think we've got problems, (laughs) look at this family. And in a backhanded way, it's kind of an encouragement to us, because we can see from this that Despite our weaknesses, we can see that our futures do not depend upon us in so many ways. Our futures depend upon the Lord and his ministrations, his eternal decrees. And so 
Every day that we wake up, we ought to ask ourselves, Oh Lord, what are your decrees for me? Which way will you take me? Will you take me to the right or will you take me to the left? Will you take me to the lowlands or will you take me to the heights of this earth? What are your decrees for me, O Lord? Do we do this in our devotions? Are we humble before the Lord? Are we intrigued with God's plans for us versus our machinations and uh, our plannings for ourselves? That's what this text is about. This chapter is about. And it's very, very challenging to us because it shows us uh, where we ought to be centered. And it gives us a great deal of confidence that even if we make mistakes, and even if we make outright uh, missteps, we draw false conclusions, we make false plans, we can be encouraged by this chapter that God will still find a way out for us and for his kingdom and for the prospering of his kingdom. And so... Let us begin to look at that, at this chapter, with that in mind. Now, in terms of the family, we see Isaac was the patriarch of the clan at that time. Uh, uh, Abraham and Sarah's day had passed. Now, he was the one who was the leader of the tribe of Israel. But we see in this place that Isaac had a problem, and the problem flows out through the text. It flows into this attempted blessing. It flows in thinking that led to that. Old Isaac had a problem. He had a greater respect for the protocols of man, the protocols of men, even the protocols of men as he respected them and as he followed them, than than he should have. He should have respected the protocols of the Lord. Now, you see the the point that we are at here. It's the passing of the leadership of the clan, the clan of Israel, to the next generation. It's a critical, critical tipping point. Which way, to the right or the left, will Israel go? It's not as if there were a thousand churches in this day, so that if one of them fell by the wayside, there would be 999 that could take up the mantle of the cause of Christ. In this day, there was only one church that was operational, the church of the patriarchs of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. And it's this church and this day and this moment when the, uh, the, the thinking of the leadership of the clan, namely Isaac's thinking, when that um, got tangled up with Isaac's affections for his oldest son, Esau. Esau was a ruddy lad. He was a strong lad. He liked to go out and hunt. He exhibited the kind of manly uh, distinctives that are very esteemed in this world. And Isaac, his father, esteemed them. Uh, Jacob was more of a domestic son. He was more of a thinking uh, son. There were many virtues and eyes and Jacob's life that would propel him forward to be a great patriarch in his own time. But in terms of the flesh and in terms of the things of the world, are our eyes not uh, attracted to the, the greatest looking leader, the strongest man, 
the deepest voice, the most imposing will, as we see it exhibited in the society of mankind? Is that not how we pick our politicians, our erstwhile uh, political leaders of our day? Of course it is. People are inclined to think this way. And so uh, that was Isaac's problem. We see in the last verse of chapter 26 that when Esau was 40 years old and he was making the critical decisions for, in terms of having a family himself, that he took his wives, Judith, the daughter of Beeri, the Hittite, and Basemath, the daughter of Elon, the Hittite. And they were a grief of mind to Isaac and Rebekah. Why were they a grief of mind? Because they were pagans. They were not, they did not come from the flocks of the believers. They did not come from the Jehovah worshipers. Uh, Esau was saying in his mind, uh, faith or the things of faith are not preeminent in, our, in my mind. I can have just as potent, just as successful family by turning my back on the Lord, by choosing women of paganism as I can from choosing the women of Israel. Now, is that a sound thought or is that a deadly thought? Uh, what, would the, <clears throat> what would happen with the fleshly appetites of Esau if this man became the patriarch of Israel, if he became Israel's seer, his prophet? The Bible says, the Proverbs say, where there is no vision, the people perish. What vision could Esau bring to the leadership of this clan when he didn't even have the wisdom and the insight to choose a, a Christian wife, as we might call it today? What hope was there for Israel if this man became the leader of Israel? What would his mind, what was it, where would his decisions lead them? The people would perish indeed. And yet... Unbelievably, this is Isaac's plan as he details it before his son Esau. Everything will be okay. I'll, I'll, get, I'll put my blessing on Esau and uh, Esau will take his natural gifts and he will use it and Israel will prosper. Despite the fact that faith would not be at the center and the core of the family's life. How could this be? How could they expect good to come from darkness like Esau's mind? We know that Esau eventually created a family and a people called the Edomites. And the Edomites were great in a worldly sense. They were a significant people in that day. Jacob's prophecy or Isaac's prophecy here comes to pass. Uh, Esau was a, was a strong uh, soldier. He was aggressive. He was wise in the things of the ways of the world. And so the Edomites prospered, but the Edomites did not follow the Lord at all. And in fact, they came to persecute God's people so that those people whom God had said, I will bless these people. Esau came to hate those people, just as he hated, came to hate his brother here as he found that he had been tricked. <clears throat> and so the first thing that you ought to see is the craziness of Isaac's choices here the craziness of his wisdom did he not know how to do things in a better way than that of course he did that's why 
In verse 20, 34 of the previous chapter, his mother and father were brought, were brought to a grief of mind because of these decisions that he was making. They understood that these decisions were not spiritual. They understood how errant and confused they were, and yet they, um, they in terms of his father, they went uh, along with it. Now, uh, uh, Rebecca had a different idea. Uh, we can be assured that her thoughts were not totally spiritual either, especially as we see the way that she uh, pulls this off. But uh, the question is, what, would, what will God do with us when we reach the kind of point that uh, Isaac reached, had reached here? with his determination to bless the pagan son at the, to, at the, um, to the abuse of um, uh, the son that was, had, had prophecies given about him and, and seemed to hold more spiritual promise in his life. What would be the outcome of that? Well, we see in our outline that, that uh, God has certain ordinations. We may have ordinations as men, but God has certain ordinations too. And so uh, as we look from on high, as we try to gain God's perspective on this family and their problems, their issues, it's, it's so intriguing to see that these things did not throw the Lord. These things did not confuse the Lord. The Lord is omnipotent and he uses uh, every determination of our minds, every thought of our hearts, even when they are crooked and un, ungainly. He uses them in our lives to work out his own will. So here is Isaac, and he's lost in a sense. And when you think of Isaac, you think of some of the great moments of his life when he would he met with the Lord at, at Bethel. He, we saw, he saw the, the stair, the ladder that went up to heaven. He saw where God promised him a future and the angels were there climbing up and down the ladder. We see this epiphany of the Lord. We say, oh, God, if I could have this kind of an epiphany, certainly my life would be all together. I would never doubt you again. I would have no questions about you. But Isaac had these wonderful heavenly experiences. And yet at the same time, he could fumble all over himself with a decision that involved his children. Um, brothers and sisters, we have all kinds of problems with these children of ours when we decide that our love for them becomes more prominent than our love for God. Jesus said when he came, he said, if, if, if you love father or mother more than me, if you, love, if you love son or daughter more than me, you will not enter the kingdom of heaven. Did Jesus anticipate such incidents as these? Of course he did. God wants us to have affection for our children. God, God tells the children to honor father and mother in the fifth commandment. Uh, God ordains all of these things. But when push comes to shove, when our children want to do things that are ungodly, or when their parents want to do things that are ungodly, and then impose their sovereignty on the children just because they are the sovereigns, according to uh, the fifth commandment, then God says, no. I am the ultimate, I am your ultimate loyalty. I am your ultimate um, uh, superior. And so you cannot throw me off because you have these other affections. And so God begins to work and uh, he works through Rebecca. Think of the servants, so many, as you go through this text, 
So many times there's intelligence is brought to Rebecca because of the servants. Evidently, in this clan, there were many godly people that were outside of the immediate family, and they had a concern for truth and for goodness and for the future of the clan, the future of the family. And so they bring uh, this intelligence to Rebecca. Now, in this case, Rebecca at first overheard uh, what was uh, being planned. And so she begins to put her own plans into motion. Um, she was younger than Isaac. And she had, uh, she, she had her feminine wits about her. And so she determines to obtain the blessing for Jacob, her son Jacob, uh, she determines to obtain the blessing for, for, for him for all different reasons. The fact that he was her son, whereas uh, uh, Esau was not. Uh, I'm sorry, uh, that, uh, that she was, he was her favorite, uh, even though Esau was not. And, um, <clears throat> and so she determines that she would work this out in her own, in her own way. Now, her logic was... Um, was unspiritual too. And some people come to this and they say, they, they look at the text and they're utterly confused by the surface details of the text. Whenever you see this kind of confusion, you need to ask in your own mind, what is the, what is the, the cause of the Lord? Where is the cause of the Lord in these things? Uh, God, God was not um, in favor of the, of the lies and the deceit of this situation, but the Lord was determined to have his way and the Lord would use their frailties, their weaknesses and their free will, their choices, if you will. These, these are the things that Arminianism just can't understand. They can't discern. They can't penetrate the, the, uh, the superior uh, mental activity of the divine mind. And so uh, what would God do? Well, he acts like the divine God and he uses the raw material that's there. He uses it through its sinfulness and through its righteousness, both. God will have, uh, God will have his own way. And so as soon as uh, Rebecca listens and hears this in verse 5, she begins to make uh, her plans. Um, in verse 11, when Jacob is faced with this, when Rebecca comes to him, uh, Jacob begins to use his mind. We know that from the very beginning, when, when Jacob obtained the birthright of, of, Isaac, I mean of Esau, we know that he esteemed it in a, a sub, way superior way to Esau. And yet, um, and, and so through that, uh, he begins to make his plans, and God works through these things. Now, the, 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 the third point here is that the patriarchal family made a, a fundamental mistake they, they fail to esteem God as God and value God's word rightly. And it asks us the question, where are we in this as people who are living today? And we're, we're trying to plot our futures. Uh, this should teach us that we cannot plot our futures. We cannot work these things out without giving God his, his, his own uh, glory, his own superiority, and realizing the power of the Lord in all of these things. I remember being at seminary, and uh, as a seminarian, there are hundreds of other young men there that are plot planning to go into the ministry, and you can't help but compare yourself to them in terms of the choices that they're making. And um, 
I remember being there and looking at the other students, and very often we'd be asked, well, what, what do you want to do? And so many of them, uh, so many of them thought, well, I want to be a youth leader. I want to be, I want to lead a music program. Um, and uh, oftentimes it was, uh, it was Gordon Conwell. Oftentimes it was for these para-church ministries. And it's not to say that nothing gets done in the para-church ministry, but I, I would ask myself, where are where are God? Where is God's hand of blessing? It's God's hand of blessing not upon the church of Christ. So, Dick, what do you want to do? <laughs> I said, I don't want to be I don't want to be directing in a parking lot or directing a youth group, or I want to be used by God in, in the church of Christ. And so, despite the fact that probably the majority of the other students were going in other directions, I focused upon God's ways. What, what, what had God determined to be most important? And amongst the things that were most important, I, I thought to myself, is preaching not the most important dimension of the future of the church? That I better learn how to preach. I better do my best. I might not be the greatest preacher, but I should put my efforts there. I should, I should tire myself out working at that. And I remember thinking to myself, how can my friends, how can the other students, how can they be making these other choices? And I saw that there was some good in the choices they were making. It wasn't that they were choosing to serve Satan, but it was just try differences between choices, better choices and worse choices. Choices that were more central to what God had revealed in his word. And so Isaac's family at this point you can look at Esau, you can look at, um, I, I, at Isaac, uh, you can look at the things that they chose, that they favored. Isaac loved wild, game, loved wild game, he loved the food that his son would bring him. That's, it's a great, a great thing to, be, to, to enjoy food, it's a, the, the bounty of the Lord, it's a great thing to enjoy good recipes, it's a great thing to enjoy good cooks. But if these things are in the balance, between the great things of God and the entertainments of this world, how can we begin to compare them? The worship of the Lord's day is the greatest experience that we can have. My heart delights when we when I get to Saturday, I, I, I can begin to savor fellowship with you and the song that we will songs that we will sing and the rejoicings and the high thoughts that we will think. And uh, it's been that way in my life ever since God planted his seed of faith in my heart. I am excited about the Lord's Day. I rejoice in the Lord's Day. It is a good thing. But Isaac's clan was not being ruled by this at that time. They would be. As Jacob by hook or by crook became the clan leader, became the new patriarch, they would be. For God then took him through all kinds of consternation and struggle. His years of service to Laban, his being cheated, the threats of death that hung over his head by his brother Esau here when they eventually came back to the land. All of these things, God would use these torturous circumstances to, like a, like a, a, a smithy would use hot iron with a hammer and he would pound out the son of his until he became the, great, the third great patriarchal leader of Israel, the father of these 12 sons who became the heads of the 12 states of Israel. 
and were able to begin to form the nation of Israel as a national entity. Um, uh, I, I think it's kind of funny in the, the fourth point that Esau, as he gets cheated here, he conveniently forgets all of his all of his crazy choices. He he, he says uh, he, Isaac is sorry, he, uh, Jacob has cheated him out of all of these things. He forgets how he gave, so easily gave up his birthright for a, a, a pot, a mess of pottage, as the Bible says. Uh, Esau had a sorry self, but he was willing to forget that as, as even as he focused on the, the sins of his brother. Um, we see, by way of closing, we see that there are many deceits uh, that men have caused or known that were discovered by the Lord, where the, the sovereignty of the Lord and his knowledge discovers these things. We think of Judas Iscariot and his deceit of even the Son of God, thinking that he could waylay God's only begotten Son by the machinations of his feeble mind. And he was discovered and he went out ultimately and hung himself from a tree when he discovered these things about himself. Jezebel, the queen uh, to Ahab, was discovered. She had her way. She was always able to outthink and outscheme and outplan. Like many of the people of this world, they think as long as they can manipulate the people around them, that they can manipulate the determinations of the living God. And so uh, Jezebel schemed and schemed and schemed and schemed and lied and lied and lied and lied until that day when she was cast off the parapets of the wall and died on the stone road below. We think of Saul, King Saul, who schemed and plotted against God's anointed David until he was brought low. And uh, the king of Israel was allowed to be killed by a pagan who was chasing him. And... Uh, <clears throat> Uh, he fell beneath that pagan's uh, blade and uh, spear and, uh, and died. Um, we need to see our whole life. Our, we, we need to see the big picture when we try to plant, plot out our family's futures. And we need to, to heed God's holy pyramid of values. We need to cultivate the affections that we have for the Lord and not allow them to be sidetracked by the things that we think are important. I think of our country today, how, how we struggle today. We, we struggle with it, the Chinese temptation. And if we, if we analyze what that is, is that, is that really anything other than the offer of money to people? Not really. Uh, but America today can be bought most easily by simply offering people money. No matter how high our office, no matter how many credentials we have or ribbons we wear around our neck or on our chest, 
we're nothing more in so many ways than mercenaries that are willing to do anything for money. I remember 30, 40 years ago, 50 years ago probably, reading articles about how the Chinese were trying to win favor in our university system by uh, buying chairs for Chinese culture and that sort of thing. And I remember reading these things in, the, in some of the magazines and thinking to myself, will this really work? Will we be so dumb as to do these things? Here we are today. There's hardly a, a university in the land that refuses these monies. We are totally bought and sold in so many ways. We don't even have, we don't even have our, our, our um, own futures. We don't even hold them dearly to ourselves. We're like crazed people that are just reaching out for the nearest appropriate uh, thing that will make us feel good. The, the money here, this money there. Ruling to sell our children's birthrights for pottage, as we see with Esau's life. Um, there was only one who, go, who, who flies through all of these kinds of temptations with impunity, and that's our Lord Jesus Christ, the, the pure of heart, our only begotten Lord, our, our, the Son of God who appears to us as our Savior and our Lord. He alone is able to do these things because the only trusting and the only really strong, fruitful relationship in this whole cosmos is that secret relationship between the Father and the Son. The true patriarch of the universe, even Jehovah God, and these administrations that he has worked out between himself and his Son, as we sang about in Psalm 2. Let this be our hope. Let his Son be our trust. Let the brilliance of the shining of the face of the Son be our hope. Let us put our faith in him. Let's close in prayer. Our Father and our God, we pray for our families today, our leadership as husbands and wives and fathers and mothers, brothers and sisters. We pray, O oh Lord, that thou wouldst be with us. Help us. Help us to think these, through, these things through clearly. And then help us to pray, O oh Lord, to lead us in thy way, even when we do not know the proper way that we should walk. We use all of our minds, we use all of our best thoughts, and yet we find out like Jacob did, or like Isaac did, that he has made a great mistake. We pray, O oh Lord, though, that when we tremble, that we would not tremble at our errors, but we pray that we might tremble, tremble at thy power and at the magnificence of thy grace. Bless us, O oh Lord, we must have thy blessing. We pray not for wisdom, as Solomon prayed, we pray not for wisdom for ourselves, but we pray for thy divine wisdom that it might direct us in the ways that we should go. And we pray, O oh Lord, that where we are at fault with our thought and with our thinking, we pray, O oh Lord, that thou wouldst run roughshod over us and correct our ways and show us the way of the light and lead us in that way, O oh Lord, that we might be part of thine eternal kingdom forever and ever. Amen.